You're listening to Utah Lake Facts, Fiction, and Fun. Hello, and welcome back to the Utah Lake Facts, Fiction, and Fun podcast. My name is Sam Brager, uh, Outreach Coordinator for the Utah Lake Commission and the podcast host. And uh, we're excited today to have a guest on with us that we have worked with quite a bit on the lake and are interacting with regularly. His name is Chad Chorniak, and he is a sailor at Utah Lake. So if you didn't, guess it from that. Today we're talking about sailing, but not just sailing. We're actually talking about winter sailing. Now, hopefully you had a reaction thinking, you know, there's ice on the lake. Maybe that's not the best choice. And no, they're not sailing right now. <laughs> uh, but the sailing community, you know, they they stay out until the ice forms and they get right back on as the ice uh, melts off. So they're definitely uh, a group that uses the lake year round. And we wanted to make sure we included them in our series that we've been doing on winter recreation at the lake. So, Chad, thanks for coming on, but why don't you start us by uh, introducing yourself a little bit to the listeners? Sure. Uh, like Sam said, uh, my name is Chad Chorniak. I actually operate the Timpanogos Yacht Club out of Linden Marina. And uh, one one quick little edit. We do actually sail when there's ice. We are in the process of putting together an ice boat, and uh, it'll be kind of fun when we get that up and running. We'll We'll have you come down and, and check it out with us, but they're, they're that, pretty fun. So far, we only have one, but... That'd be super cool. Is that like for breaking the ice or... Uh, nope. It's actually basically like a, a a sled that you sit in that's on like ice skates, and then we put a mass and a sail on it, and away we go. Well, that's pretty cool. I've heard... Uh, we actually was uh, sharing a story of the past about um, the guys that built the U.S. or not that U.S., the SS Showboat. That yes. was on the lake. They actually, their first boat that they built together, those two guys, was actually a, I mean, theirs was motor powered, but it was a ski boat, if you will, like on actual skis on the ice. They were flying around at like 60 miles an hour on the lake. <laughs> and it had <laughs> yeah. no braking system, apparently. So yeah. quite entertaining times. But that would be really cool to do it sailing. Yeah, really fun. So we've been talking about maybe even doing putting wheels on them to play around in the arena a little bit too. But um, mostly we want to get out there on the lake. Sure, sure. So is this going to be like a one or two person thing or is this larger? Uh, it's a one person thing. Uh, I think they do have bigger ones. Um, this is kind of big in the Great Lakes and different places, but uh, usually you want to be responsible for your own catastrophic wreck and not have somebody else involved. <laughs> <laughs> a good point. A good point. There's some responsibility to be taken there. Yeah. <laughs> well, that's cool. So, I mean, that'd be really fun, especially because, you know, one of the things I love about sailing at the lake, the, the only the few times I've been out is the the peacefulness of it. I can only imagine getting out in the wintertime. That might even be even further the silence and the, the oh, what's the word I'm looking for? The solitude out in the middle of the lake. Yeah. I mean, we're, we're lucky with Utah Lake being so big, even when the parking lot is full of ski boats and stuff, we get out there and kind of feel like we have the whole place to ourselves. Um, that would be more true, obviously, in the wintertime when you don't have any other boats out there and you just <laughs> hear the sound of the skate going over the ice is about all you're going to hear. So. Yeah, I mean, so I guess it would be just slightly noisier than actually sailing in the summertime. I know that's some of the most peaceful and quiet time I've seen, but that's not too much noise of the skates <laughs> or the, the skis. Yeah. yeah, well, we get the waves lapping in the summer. So True, it's true. It's a little bit of balance, right? Yeah, yeah. Well, that's awesome. So, so do you think, is this something like in the next days, weeks, uh, this winter? Like, when are you thinking you're going to be doing that? Well, I was just over at uh, a friend of mine, Mitch Mahana, who's also a sailor. I was at his house last night, and it's it's out and being put together. So we're just, it could be in a few days or a week or something, but we're hoping to get it going. We also need kind of uh, some very unique ice. It needs to be very flat 
and not have snow on it. So we need a couple of warm days that kind of melt the snow on top and then freeze again. And then that's perfect conditions for ice sailing. Sure. Sure. So. No, I'm, I'm telling you, that's, that sounds super cool. We'd love it. You just shoot us a text. I'm, I'm betting we'll be there to be able to see that happen. That'd be pretty cool. Yeah. Well, so that's awesome that's to show good. that you can actually sail on the ice. I think uh, myself and probably most listeners were thinking sailing maybe around the ice or up onto it, but tell us how, how does that work with sailing with winter and trying to keep that in mind with what the ice might damage your boat and stuff? Well, yeah, that's, that's definitely a concern. Um, one thing is it, it'll clean off all the the moss that's growing on your boat, if you if you get out there with you know a quarter <laughs> inch of ice, it, it actually does a really good job scrubbing the hole. Um, but typically, we don't try to go sailing in the ice itself. But uh, we do sail all the way up to the point where we're breaking through some ice to get out of the marina. Um, typically, the marina will freeze first, sure, and then we go sailing and then come back in. But um, when it gets to the point where your boat's riding up on the ice and breaking it, then it's time to pull them out. We did that a couple of weeks ago with all the boats. So, Gotcha. And and how does it feel in the times where there might be like loose ice that's been floating around? I don't know if that's typically more at the beginning of the season or if at the end, but is that something you've done? Just kind of sailing out amongst, I guess, ice flows, if you will? Yes, indeed. Um, I've actually, man, I wish I could pull up a video and, and link it in here but uh, uh we'd love it. if you send it to us we can we always love linking different stuff online in the show notes so that anybody who okay. listens can I'll, go directly to that link yeah, I'll yeah. See if I can find them. Um, but we've we've had a couple of times on small boats um, where we go out and as the ice is forming um, we just go right up to the edge of it and and you, it's just all perfectly silent and then all of a sudden you go through and it just sounds like a car crash but um it's really fun and then you know, in the springtime, like you say, sometimes there's chunks of ice still lingering after we've gotten the boats in. And we try to avoid those because we never know how big they actually are. You're just seeing the little bit on top. So sure, um, we don't need any Titanic situations out there. <laughs> so. Especially because it probably wouldn't look nearly as thematic as, you know, the scene that everybody knows from Titanic <laughs> out on the prow. It'd be a little more desperate, I think. <laughs> yeah. And, I mean, and you know, it would also be an eyesore because the boat wouldn't sink out of sight it would just be sub- <laughs> partially submerged with a mass sticking up it's true that it is those would be the ones that would be most visible and, and depending on the water year any boat sinking you know it might not necessarily actually end up under the water that is something right. that can can come to being at utah lake although the last couple of years have been pretty good you know most of that boat would be covered yep well and and there's actually i'll give you a quick little story of a, a friend of mine that he actually sunk a 19 foot sailboat and uh, they went back to look for it the next day after the storm was over, and they never did find that thing. So it's still really under the mud. Yeah. Wow. And that's not a small boat either. 19 feet. That's pretty big, at least for yeah. Utah Lake, right? <laughs> that's plenty big. Yeah. You'd think <laughs> you'd be able to find it pretty easily. But Interesting. Nope. I wonder just how far it got pushed underwater. Those can be always interesting stories. Yeah. I'm guessing the wave action kind of just pounded it into the mud, and it's, it probably is not. Even if the lake completely cleared up right now, it probably wouldn't be visible. Sure, right? They'll find it like 200 years from now or something. Right. (laughs) It's like (laughs) starting to rot in the mud there or something like that. Well, that's cool. So now, obviously, we're talking at the beginning, you know, sailing community sails till ice on and starts as soon as ice off. Is is there – what is this? What would you say would be benefits to sailing in the wintertime versus the summer? Uh, Wow. There's – I'm not sure benefits because anytime you're out sailing is amazing. Um, maybe 
if you want to call it a benefit, is that you usually have a lot less traffic as far as ski boats and stuff. But like I said, the lake is big enough that we rarely find ourselves out there thinking, man, I wish there weren't so many boats. I mean, that just doesn't seem to be a factor. But sure, um, one thing that we do get in the, the fall and early spring as well is we get a phenomenon where the water is completely flat glass and there's still wind blowing. And so you're just sailing across this mirror and it's really kind of magical in a way. So that's, that's kind of fun. That's uh, awesome. I'd say that could be called an advantage maybe. <laughs> <laughs> I'd agree. That'd be great. I mean, I, I can imagine some of the photographers who might be listening, who love the lake are just like, Ooh, I need to reach out to Chad. That'd be so cool to see and get a picture of. We would, we would love to have photographers come out with this. However, uh, it, it's they have to come a lot because it's not something we can predict. <laughs> sure. <laughs> all of a right. sudden you're out there and you're like, holy cow, there is this cool thing happening. This That's awesome. awesome. So, That's really cool. Yeah. So what what kind of brought you into sailing, Chad? What got you started in sailing? Oh, wow. I, uh, as a scuba instructor, the, the guy who taught me and, and kind of turned me into an instructor had a sailboat. And it kind of has always intrigued me. I've, I've been a part of Linden Marina for 30 plus years and just uh, saw the boats there all the time. And I, I always had this perception that sailing is this very rich man sport, right? You, you got to have lots of money to be doing that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. And when I found out he had a sailboat, um, I thought, well, you know, I'd like to go out sometime. And he's like, yeah, it'd be cool. It'd be pretty fun. He said, but my motor's not working right now. I'm like, well, hey, I'll, I'll, I'll take care of that for you. I'll get the motor going. I can do that. So I got the motor going and then he said, oh, well, I'm kind of busy. And he did this maybe three or four times. And I said, you know what? I've been watching some YouTube videos. I'm just going to take your boat. (laughs) (laughs) Got to love the confidence that YouTube inspires in us. (laughs) Yeah. So he said, okay, go for it. And I I grabbed a friend and we went out sailing for a couple hours. And then we called our wives and and I said, hey, come sailing. And they're like, oh, you know how to do that? We're like, yeah, sure. So we got them out there sailing, and, and they said, well, how did you learn all this? We're like, YouTube. And both of them looked at us like, uh, <laughs> that's such our gener- <laughs> That's such our current society. I YouTubed it. Yep. <laughs> so, uh, yeah. And from there, it just it got me hook, line, and sinker. I've been, uh, we ended up with a boat, I think, within weeks of that, and... Yeah, I think I've, I'm up to seven boats now, so I have a boat problem, I would say. <laughs> you know, it's funny when you say that, you make me think I got a, I got a, a couple of friends and buddies and stuff. It's mostly the hunting problem, right? Guns. You're buying mm-hmm. too many guns. You know, in this yeah. case, I think I'd take the sailing problem, you know, <laughs> be able to have a, a getaway and escape with that as well. Yeah, yeah. Well, but, I mean, it's nice to have a few boats that, uh, as for club members, um, if you join the Timpanogos Yacht Club, we have some day sailors that, that you can rent and take out any time. And so that it's nice. So I wouldn't say I have a boat problem, but, uh, the yacht club is, is getting some inventory. We'll put it that way. <laughs> I was, you can't really speak for the club and say the club has a problem. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, I don't think it's a problem for the club to have plenty of boats. That's, That's a good point. Know. It's great for everybody to have a chance to get out there. <laughs> yeah. Now you mentioned, you know, thinking sailing was kind of a rich man sport. I'm assuming there's probably some people listening who've, who've expressed curiosity. I know we've had people reach out to us before asking how can they learn or, you know, how do they get into it? So, like, how, what would you tell somebody who's wanting to learn more about sailing and, and feels like, you know, there might be that barrier to entry, which it sounds like from what you're saying there isn't? 
yeah, it's actually, other than the purchase of the boat, and I'll get into this in just a second, um, sailing is really super inexpensive um, and probably cheaper than most other sports that people do. Uh, I would say, uh, like, a, for example, a slip fee to have a sailboat in the water all year is, is less than a season pass skiing. So um, it's pretty pretty easy to, to make that jump into it. Uh, I will warn people that once you do get into it, you'll lose interest in some of your other interests. So <laughs> this is pretty consuming. But, um, yeah, the, so when people call me or even come down to the marina um, and just start talking boats or if they call and say, hey, I want to go sailing, or want to learn how to sail, uh, I have kind of a, a an algorithm, if you will, or, or kind of a process I put them through. First of all, uh, do you want to learn to sail because you want to get a boat, or do you just want to have something to add to the things you'd like to do? Mm-hmm. Um, if you want to get a boat and you, and you really want to get a sailing certification per se, then I would send people over to Bonneville School of Sailing and Seamanship. They got a great program over there. Oh, definitely, and, yeah, yeah. They can they can teach you all that stuff. Um, we well, we can do lessons if if Todd ever fills up down there and and can't handle <laughs> the amount of people that that are coming in. Then I I would take on a few um, instructional students. But for the most part, I send them down there. They get taught down there, and then he sends them back to me because um, we have a really good um, sailing community up here at Linden and like seventy sailboats, and so it's a lot of fun and we run weekly regattas which is a sailboat race so he sends them back up to me to i guess continue their sailing experience and and fun and join our community um but he's, he's kind of the go-to for instructions now if somebody just wants to try sailing and and maybe do it occasionally then uh, they they're welcome to come down and join us on our Thursday night regattas. Uh, they can jump on a boat with a, one of our qualified captains. Uh, no experience is necessary, and uh, experience some sailing around some buoys uh, on any given Thursday night. Uh, we always have room for people, so no need to get reservations or anything. But uh, anyway, so that's a good way to do that. And then if they decide to join the club, like I said, they can get on the day sailors and rent those, and then working towards um if we can work out our insurance uh, make it viable that uh, we'll have the bigger keel boats um to, that you could take like your whole family on and oh, cool. those two but yeah so we might have that this coming season but we'll see how that goes um back to how much does a boat cost if you do want to buy a boat uh i it's funny because when we have excursions and people come out uh they typically <laughs> ask you know how much is a boat like this and i always say well guess you know what what do you think a boat like this costs uh they are always probably 10 times more their guesstimate 10 times more than what the actual boat cost is you can get into a really nice keel boat on the lake for less than five thousand dollars most people are thinking 30 40 fifty thousand dollars for a boat and it's yeah, it's a, it's a misnomer. It's because they're used yeah. to those darn motor boats and all those yeah. wake boats and stuff that they see, and they think it's all got to cost that much. They don't realize it's it's a lot more feasible. Well, and that, that's the funny thing too. We've had people who have the power boats and the wake boats and stuff who will come out sailing with this, and you know, I'm like, you guys should just you know get a sailboat. They're like, yeah, we already have a six figure boat. We don't need another one. I'm like, well, I, if you sell your boat, you could buy half the boats in the marina. 
Right, you're like, you could have a four-digit boat if you want instead. <laughs> you're right. <laughs> so, yeah, it's uh, it's it's really kind of fun. And, and, and I mean, people get hooked. Uh, as a matter of fact, there's a, a several, but there's one particular guy who's, who's right in the process of purchasing, purchasing a boat right now um, who got excited earlier this season and was ready to go buy a big boat like a 40 footer and live on it and go sailing across the world and all this. Um, and now he's back to buying, you know, a $4,000 boat and getting some experience on our lake and, sure. and learning a little more. But uh, yeah, talking people down from their excitement is, is about half the battle out here. So. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's one thing that's just uh, amazing to Utah Lake. Like I can't tell you how many times, uh, in fact, it's funny you say that. You're reminding me of a story. I, I was wearing, uh, you've seen our t-shirts that have like the catamaran on it that say Utah Lake greatest lake on earth. Yeah. So I was wearing one of those and I just went over to a buddy's house. We're doing dinner. This is back at the start of the year. And, uh, he, like, we're just sitting there chatting and everything, getting ready for the meal. And like, I'm not thinking anything of it. And suddenly he says, Sam, is that, is that shirt like a joke? And I was like, what, what do you mean? Like, I thought I, I thought I'd talked with this guy about what my job was, but apparently I hadn't gotten far enough into detail. He's like, like sailing on on Utah Lake. Like, I, I've heard like, he wasn't from around here. He's from like Texas or something, right? He's like, I've heard like nobody goes to Utah Lake, but like I didn't think you could sail there, much less go there. And so, you know, me being the outreach coordinator for the commission, I had to go into my very quick version of my spiel about how there's so many misperceptions about the lake and all the great things that do happen there. And then I kind of explained to him about sailing and explained I hadn't been on a catamaran itself, but that I'd gone sailing a couple times on the lake and that it was one of my favorite experiences out at the lake so far. And he was just like aghast (laughs) that you could go sailing. I had no idea. And we get that sometimes that people just aren't aware that sailing is such a thriving recreational pursuit at Utah Lake. Um, and so it's really cool for people to be able to learn about it. Absolutely. Um, as you know, we've got the the campsites at Linden Marina now, and we're, we're bringing in a lot of people from all over the place. And when they get there, one of the things they just are blown away by is, what the heck? You've got a marina full of sailboats here. What's going on? <laughs> um, and so we we quite often take those people out sailing, and and they their reviews on lindamarina.com as you know they're all just like you got a kid, and this is like this hidden oasis out here with amazing activities that can be done, and including sailing. Who could know that? <laughs> you know, right? So it, it's kind of neat to have that and to see people's reactions. One thing that's funny, like. Uh, when you were talking about your friend that was like, what sailing, it's kind of crazy how many people we get that will book a cruise from however they find us. Um, and then they'll come out, go sailing and the conversation will go to, well, we didn't even know this was here. And I, you know, my first thought used to be, yeah, Linda Marina can be hard to find sometimes, you know, and then they look at me like, uh, no, like the lake. <laughs> like, wow. Okay. And you say you're from where? And they're like, uh, we live in Linden. <laughs> I'm like, what? I do not know there's a lake here. And I actually started driving around a little bit and even driving over the point of the mountain coming into the valley. Unless you're looking for the lake, it's not really there. Um, if you live in Provo, you might not ever see it. 
It's true. If you're if you're in Orem, um, driving west and going down the hill on one of the major streets, sixteen hundred eighth north, you know, whatever, six center street. Um, as you drive down that hill, you look out and you're like, holy cow, there's this massive lake. Um, other than that, it's it's really sort of hidden. It really is a hidden gem. So, so it's funny you mentioned that chat about uh, it being a hidden gem and yet it's in plain sight, right? We actually uh, did an episode, episode 33 of the podcast that we called uh, Zion's Mount, How Timpanogos Replaced Utah Lake. And it's about this book that's called Zion's Mount. Um, and I wasn't able to read through all of it yet. I've still been working on trying to do that. But the whole premise of this book is how Mount Timpanogos became a landmark because it's really just a peak in the range of mountains, right? And it's not even the highest peak in the area. Like there, you know, and the fact right. that the Timpanogos story is actually completely made up. Um, he talks about how it was a BYU public relations professor back in like, I think it was the 1920s who created the myth of the Timpanogos legend. Um, anyway, awesome. and so he talks about in the book how, you know, pre-settlement and even early settlement, Utah Lake was the center. It was the focus of life. People, Utah Lake Valley. Yeah, it was Utah Lake Valley. People came here to live here because of the abundance of food. Um, and the Native Americans lived here beforehand. Like all this, the, the lake was the valley. Like it was everything in society. I mean, twenty over 20 resorts existed at one point and the motorboat races and all these things that it was a part of life and also a center for, or a location for food. And yet now, as you said, it has been so dismissed from people's minds that they can be driving down I-15, look over and be like, huh, there's a lake there. Oh, well. <laughs> and just like keep going or not even see it. Like you said, Provo, if you physically can't see it, but even in the cities where you can, you know, you might get the occasional person that's like, oh, that's a really pretty view, you know, from this far right. away. And then that same person says, but if I ever go close, I know, I'm, I know it's just going to be gross. And so it's just become this dismissed part of of society. And so it's interesting to us uh, working uh, with the commission about how much a battle that is to get it to be not only in the forefront of people's minds, but to try and correct those those, those past uh, things that have happened. Because there's there are facts about that. You know, it, there are there was a very long period of abuse where the lake really wasn't cared for. But people right. think that's still today. Right. And, and you know better than a lot of people that's totally not accurate that the lake has really improved and in really since settlement and since it started being abused is in the best condition it has been. Absolutely. Uh, it's, it's kind of, I mean, I get into this conversation all the time with people. We actually just had a guy buy a sailboat from one of the people who owned one at Linda Marina. And as we were pulling our boats out and getting them ready to go, we, we helped him get a boat out and his boat that he had just purchased and uh you know he said oh you know you you bought the boat cool it'll be good to see you next season he's like oh no we're not staying and i'm like oh okay cool where are you going he said rockport i'm like wait a minute you're gonna take a 25 foot sailboat from utah lake arguably the best sailing lake anywhere this side of the mississippi other than oceans and uh go to rockport (laughs) i mean rockport's great but (laughs) <laughs> that's small oh it's like it's even smaller than deer creek isn't it yeah yeah i mean and, deer creek uh, is 32 times smaller than utah lake i can only imagine rockport right and so he i said why in the world would you be going there and he's like well it's you know they do have it's the only other lake around that really has slips that we can put a boat in um and so we chose i was like no no, no why would you go away from utah lake and he said oh well i mean the water's just dirty 
And I'm like, okay, here we go. <laughs> yeah, I, I feel so, the uh, same way. As soon as you're saying that, I'm like, oh, I got an answer ready. <laughs> yeah, so a half hour discussion later, he's like, oh, well, maybe we maybe we should just renew a slip here. I mean, you know, it's like the the perception that people have of the lake. Uh, you know, and I'm telling him, listen, if there's any lake in Utah, any recreational lake in Utah that you're going to dip a cup in and drink out of, this is the one. He's like, no, no, no. I'm like, no, I'm, I'm serious. Like, <laughs> I, you're going to get all kinds of crazy, whatever microbes in your body from other places. Here, the algae is actually part of the healthy ecosystem. Now, when that gets out of hand and and blooms and stuff, we certainly need to be careful. But sure, it's temporarily out of whack. Yeah. So anyway, it it, it was kind of interesting to kind of see his eyes kind of open. He's like, wait a minute. Sure. Sure. <laughs> so. So. As we're as we're discussing all these things about sailing and stuff, I realized we kind of both of us used the term ice on and ice off and stuff, but didn't really kind of explain. Obviously, that's when ice starts coming on or starts leaving the lake. But when yeah. when is that typically seen at Utah Lake, so people can understand when they might be doing winter sailing per se? So uh, yeah, I have people ask me this all the time. You know, like what when when does it typically freeze over? Or what? And I'm like, well, just like winds on Utah Lake are not typical ever we don't really have a <laughs> there is no typical or prevailing wind there's also no typical ice on ice off well there's a little bit of ice off typical i mean usually end of january first part of february we can put boats back in that's that's normal usually um however in years past i have been sailing on the 26th of december and the 21st of january and this year we were pulling our boats out um before december so uh you know so like i think we were the week before thanksgiving we were pulling out so it it definitely uh changes each year and and i would imagine there have been years before i started sailing that that uh, boats were needing to come off the water uh maybe even early november and since i've been there there have been years that we could have sailed we'd not taken the boats out at all just because there wasn't enough ice to really warrant pulling them out. Maybe it would stop us from sailing for a week, um, but they could have stayed in the water either way. So it's not real typical. So uh, one thing that, that Linda Marina kind of has a, a kind of a cool uh, way we're set up for slip use is it's annual. In other words, January 1st to, to December 31st. So if there's open water, your boat can be in the water. And so we're, we're sailing every opportunity we can. You know, obviously wintertime with ice and things like that, there's a lot of talk about safety, just like there is during the summertime with water safety. You know, tell us a little bit about safety um, as far as when you're sailing goes. Definitely. And yeah, in the summertime, I mean, obviously we should be wearing our life jackets, but um, you, if you're out on the lake and you see sailors, oftentimes we will not be wearing them. Um, not not necessarily because we, we think we're good swimmers or anything like that, but the boats that we're on, on these bigger boats, uh, we're our likelihood of ending up in the water is pretty dang small if we're smart and following uh, the forecasts and things like that. Um, but in the winter time, uh, it changes a little bit and we definitely will wear our life jackets uh, as well as some foul weather gear and things like that. Staying warm so that you're um, able to, to handle the boat and not getting froze up or your hands getting too cold, things like that. But also uh Winter sailing can bring on some good winds and get water up on deck. Uh, out in the ocean, while it's cold, that salt water is not going to freeze. But here on Utah Lake, where we're fresh water, 
that water will splash up on deck and become ice really quickly and become very slippery. And so if you have to go on deck for any reason, uh, your, your likelihood of ending up in the water has just increased dramatically. And, uh, yeah, so wearing those life jackets, wearing, um, a harness, things like that, if you're, especially if you're solo sailing. So taking on that safety measure and really stepping it up in the wintertime is super important. And honestly, staying warm is, uh, really super important <laughs> but uh, yeah keeping that life jacket on um keeping on top of the water if you end up in it is going to increase your likelihood of rescue um rather than ending up underwater so for sure as yeah. far as staying wet uh, dry you know how what would you recommend like you know this isn't the kind of thing where you wear like a rain jacket i'm assuming right you need something a little bit more intense yeah, we, or yeah sailors call them foulies and they're they're actually the way they're layered um, you could actually have a wave come over you. <laughs> I mean, that would be very rare on Utah Lake to have it that much, but have a wave come over you and you stay fairly dry throughout. So it's all, it's kind of all layered. So everything kind of washes down and over the top of the next layer. Um, so uh, a, a good rain jacket with a warm clothes underneath or something like that could definitely work for someone who comes out sailing once or twice and, and doesn't have all that extra gear. But uh, yeah, staying warm, staying dry really important during the winter and we do like to encourage people to have not do solo sailing in the winter try to have somebody else out there with you because if something happens um if you fall overboard when your boat's sailing guess what it keeps sailing <laughs> you're not going to catch it so sure sure thing yeah, and there's gonna be, be less it. people out in the winter time and obviously the the concerns yeah. about hypothermia and everything exactly for sure well Chad, we really appreciate you coming on with us today. Um, if anyone who's been listening is interested, I guess, in sailing in general, but in particularly in trying winter sailing, sounds like probably 1st of February-ish, something they could be expecting time-wise. So how would you, what would you recommend they do if they want to be able to try that out? Uh, get a hold of us on Timpanogos Yacht Club on Facebook. Um, we will post on there when boats are going back in the water. Uh, typically, we start um, the Thursday night regattas in March. Uh, we don't get a whole lot of people coming out when it's too cold. Um, but in March, we're definitely out on Thursdays. And so we start getting a few people coming, but, um, otherwise, yeah, just show up at the Marina. There's almost always somebody there. Um, and the owner of the Marina down there, Ron Matson. um, it doesn't take much to twist his arm and get him to take you sailing either. So <laughs> I'm sure he enjoys it every time. Yeah. Well, thank sure. you again, Chavi, for coming on. We appreciate your help with talking about winter sailing. You betcha. If you heard something you liked in this episode, please subscribe to the podcast and leave us a review. While you're at it, take a second and share this episode with someone else you think would like it. Help us spread the word about the facts, fiction, and fun of Utah Lake. You've been listening to Utah Lake, facts, fiction, and fun. For more information and resources, visit utahlakecommission.org forward slash podcast. Thanks for listening.